Open your Bibles, please, to Revelation chapter 3. And this morning, we're going to be speaking to you out of that chapter, beginning at verse 14. And uh, we're going to be referencing Jesus' message to the Laodicean church. That's the church where Jesus says to them, I know your works. I know you're neither hot nor cold. Uh, you are lukewarm. And because you're lukewarm, I will spew you out of my mouth. Scary stuff, right? Uh, but Jesus did send that letter to a church made up of believers, just like we are. And so we need to hear what he was saying to them, learn the lessons, and apply them to our own lives. So I know when you came into the sanctuary, all of you stopped at a, th a thermometer there and you tested yourself to see what your temperature was. And, and that is done um, as one way of indicating whether you are healthy or not and whether you need to do some things if you're not. It's important and to, for us to know what our temperature is physically, by our, our physical bodily temperature, but what about your spiritual temperature? Have you ever bothered to examine yourself in terms of your spiritual temperature? Is it important to you to know whether you're hot, cold, or lukewarm? What is the situation? In this, the passage we're going to read, Jesus tells the church of Laodicea what the spiritual temperature is. And so if I were to ask you or somebody was to ask you to tell them what your spiritual temperature is, can you tell them? And what would you say it is? Would you say, I'm hot, I'm on fire? Would you say, I'm very cold spiritually? Or would you say, you know what? To be honest with you, I'm lukewarm. What would be your answer? Or if Jesus was to come and say, you know what, Yemi, yeah, I'm sorry, I always pick on you. You shouldn't sit here or something about that seat, okay? <laughs> Yemi, what is your spiritual temperature? Let me tell you, Yemi. What would Jesus tell you? What do you think he would say? Would he say, Yemi, you are hot, you're on fire. Yemi, you're cold. Well, let me, you know what, you're somewhere in between. You're lukewarm. Now, that's a sobering thought, right? Uh, and, but we should keep that in mind as we look at this, this text. Now, to be honest, you cannot really answer that question until you know what Jesus meant by lukewarm. All right? What did Jesus mean by cold? What did Jesus mean by being hot. So that's what we're going to examine. First, we're going to look at what he meant. Then we're going to look at how do you become lukewarm? And then we're going to look at how do you fix it? Because Jesus does tell us how to do it, how to overcome lukewarmness if we are. Okay? That's where we're going today. Okay, let's begin in verse, verse 1. I'm in verse 14. And the angel of the church of the Laodiceans right now. We told you that when the Bible, in the book of Revelation, in these letters, 
as it referred to the, the angel, they're not referring to a, a, a literal physical angel. That word angel simply means messenger. And most Bible scholars believe that that is the, the, a reference to the pastor or the spiritual overseers of the church. And I, I, I think it's important to make that point because we need to understand that God takes spiritual authority seriously. And that when it comes to the church and to the members of the church, especially when he's speaking to the body as a whole, most often he speaks to the body through the ones that he has set to oversee them. Um, Paul in one place talked about his preaching and teaching and he was rejoicing, he says, because the people heard it and received it not as the word of man, but as the word of the Lord, as indeed it was. So our attitude towards preaching, our attitude towards scripture, our attitude towards the man of God, whoever that man of God is, that God has given oversight of the church to, when that person is speaking, especially when he's speaking and teaching God's word, we really need to be listening as though God is speaking. Are you hearing me? And that's the kind of respect we ought to give to God's word. Because again, if the people, uh, members of this church, has simply dismissed this message, ah, just the pastor talking. Okay? They would not have taken it seriously. They would not have done what they needed to do. So, again, it's important that when, when we are preaching and teaching God's word, that you listen as though you're listening for the word of God that is going to come through that man of God for your life or for the congregation. Don't simply dismiss it. Especially when you disagree, that's more the reason to say, you know what, let me pray about this and think about this a little bit more. Very important. Are you here? So now, Jesus introduces himself. The one who's speaking introduces himself. He says, I am the amen, the faithful and true witness. The beginning, or as the NIV says, the ruler of the creation of this world. So here he is, he, he introduces who he is, and he chooses to introduce himself in this case as the amen, as the trusted witness. In other words, what he's saying here is, you know, it doesn't matter what your own opinion is of yourself, doesn't matter what you may think about your spiritual life right now, your condition. I am the faithful witness. I am the amen. In other words, what I say is the truth. I'm the amen. I'm the amen. When you say amen to something, it means it's so. So I am the it is so. Okay? So that means that we ought to be listening for his voice and his opinion. And whatever he says is what matters. Always. Okay? So, he says, I'm going to tell you something, and even if you think otherwise, remember who I am? I am the it is so. I am the trusted witness. So you need to hear me and believe what I say concerning you. Next verse. Now, this letter was addressed to the Laodicean church, or Christians living in Laodicea. We, you need to know something about Laodicea. Laodicea was a very, very wealthy city. It was a commercial and banking city. 
it was a fashion city. In one sense, if we were relating it to some of the cities in America, we would call it New York and Hollywood. I mean, you had a lot of very prosperous, wealthy bankers and, 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 and wealthy people in the city. So they were very comfortable. If we were to compare it in terms of nations, we would say Laodicea was the United States of America of that day. That's where everybody wanted to be, right? Because in the United States, there, there's so, there are so many opportunities to pursue your career, to pursue success, to be wealthy, to be comfortable, to live well, to really need nothing when it comes to your personal survival. America's a place to be. That's why all over the world people want to come to America. Now, even if you're making minimum wage, by the way, here in America, you're among the richest in the world. Seriously. So if you compare us to any to the world, we are all rich. Because you're making $15 an hour, the folks there who you most of the world, I don't think they even make $2 an hour. Okay? So he is this letter is going to a to a group of Christians who are living in a very wealthy, prosperous, successful place. So Laodicea is America. Or America is Laodicea. In the sense that in America there's so much opportunity to pursue wealth, pursue material things, and to be satisfied physically. But that's why in a place like America, it's so easy to become lukewarm. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, I hear people saying all the time, when he was in Africa, remember, he was on fire for the things of God. He was at prayer meeting. He was doing this or she was doing that. But what happened when he or she came to America? Now, he has gone so cold. Remember? And it happens to a lot of people, a lot of people, even ministers. When they come here, something happens, and the opportunities here for comfort and wealth and to be successful in terms of your career, those opportunities can be such a strong temptation and exert such influence upon us that if we're not careful, we will become lukewarm in our relationship with God and lukewarm when it comes to our service to God. We know what we talk about. So those of us who are blessed to live in a country like the U.S., we really, really ought to be on our guard against lukewarmness because that is a constant temptation and the pressure to, to pursue the American dream can become so strong that you literally become lukewarm spiritually. So be on, your, be on the alert. Don't let it happen to you. Amen. Amen? Keep reminding yourself of the dangers so that you're constantly taking measures to protect yourself. All right? So now the Lord says, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or what? Next verse. So then because you are lukewarm, Neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Now, that's scary, right? I mean, I will spew you out. I'll... Now, 
A lot of folks interpret that to mean Jesus would rather you be cold or hot than to be lukewarm. And if you're lukewarm, he's going to become so angry with you that he will literally vomit you out, meaning he'll reject you. He'll, he'll renounce you. He will want to have nothing to do with you. He will take away your salvation and send you to hell. That's how many people interpret that. They interpret him saying, I will vomit you out to meaning I will take away your salvation. I'll send you to hell if you're lukewarm. Well, that's not really the way I understand that. There's a better, more accurate interpretation. And to get to the meaning of that, we really need to look at the literary context. The context, everything that is in that letter. Uh, we need to look at it. We need to look at the cultural historical context. And then maybe even look at some cross-references. You got some time? You got some time? Because if I don't do this, you will leave your feeling really guilty <laughs> and really condemned. Now, I pray that we're all convicted or confronted, if you don't like the word convicted, but I don't want anybody leaving here condemned because there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Everybody say amen. amen. So let's try to understand what Jesus is saying. Uh, go to verse 19. And verse 20, I want you to see context. Okay, what did he say in verse 19? As many as I love, I do what? Rebuke and chasten, or rebuke and discipline. So, oh, oh, wait a minute. So what Jesus is saying up here in verse 15 and 16, etc., about spewing you out of your mouth, uh, rather you being hot or cold or lukewarm, it's not being motivated by anger or wrath. It's being motivated by his love for them. So these are words being expressed, being said, not because he's angry and wrathful and ready now to throw them to hell. No, these are words that he is speaking to them, motivated by the tremendous love he has for them. So interpret these words in the context that they're being spoken by someone who's doing it because he said, I love you. That's what he said. The one that I love, you look lukewarm, but I love you. I don't hate you because you're lukewarm. I'm not angry with you and ready to send you to hell because you're lukewarm. But, 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 but there's something about being lukewarm that I don't like and that's not good for you. And I'm motivated by my love for you to tell you that you need to pay attention to this. All right? So these are words spoken, motivated by what? Love. And then he describes what he's doing. He says, I'm rebuking you, I'm chastening you, I'm disciplining you. He didn't say, I'm sending you to hell. And the scripture tells us, who does he discipline? Children. He says, if you're without discipline, then you're not his. Okay, so he's describing himself as a parent, disciplining, correcting his or her child, motivated by love, not as an angry God ready to pour out wrath and judgment and send his children to hell because they're lukewarm. You get it? 
So keep that in mind. Now go to the next verse, verse 20. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Oh, wait a minute. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come. So again, watch this. Context. What is he doing? He's knocking. Well, if he was ready to send them to hell, why is he knocking? Just kick the door in. I mean, if he's angry and wrathful and ready to grab them if they don't stop being lukewarm and send them to hell, why knock at the door? I mean, just kick the door in. He's grabbed them and sent them to hell. But the fact that he's waiting and knocking again, that's the context. He is wanting them to respond. He's at the door. That, again, is more akin to a parent knocking on the door of his or her child because he or she wants to come in and have a real serious heart-to-heart conversation because there's some things happening in that child's life with that child that this parent wants to deal with. You got it? So that's the context. Now, let me take that one step further. Jesus said, I wish you were cold or hot. Now you're lukewarm. So if what Jesus is talking about, it being cold means Let's say being hot means you're on fire and you're full of light. Then being cold means you got no life. You're dead spiritually, correct? Two extremes. One on fire, alive. The other extreme, no fire, dead, correct? Now, can you imagine Jesus saying to you, because you're lukewarm, I wish you were spiritually dead. I would prefer you were spiritually dead, had no life, no love, no, 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 no desire for me at all. In essence, I wish I would prefer that you lose your salvation, go to hell, than for you to be lukewarm. Can you imagine a state where Jesus would prefer spiritual deadness to any kind of life? Nah. There's no way if he was talking about spiritual deadness. Would he say, I would prefer you to be lost, cold and lost? He wouldn't say that. So now that we have, we have these, these things in mind, let me tell you what, what, I, what, what Jesus is referring to when he talks about spiritual lukewarmness. In Jesus' name. The children are having fun today, I guess. Uh, excuse me. All right, Amen. What a way to look at it. Praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> amen. But but you got you got you got the you 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 got that right. So now, what's what's the better interpretation, I believe, the more accurate interpretation. This is where you now need to look at the cultural and historical context. I told you this letter was addressed to believers living in a city called what? Laodicea. We know Laodicea is rich and prosperous and all of that. But Laodicea had a water problem. The, the water in the city was not necessarily the best. Now, to the north of Laodicea was another city called Hierapolis. And Hierapolis had 
these, these hot springs that were thought to be therapeutic. So people who were sick would go to Hierapolis and sit in the hot springs and the minerals, etc., would 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 serve to help them get better. They would they would experience the therapeutic and positive benefits of the hot springs. So the hot springs were therapeutic. South of of um, Laodicea was another city called Colossae. Colossae was known for its cold and refreshing spring water. Again, you had Colossae, water that's cold, water that is refreshing. You have Hierapolis, water, the hot water that is therapeutic. Now, Laodicea didn't have good quality water, so you know what they did? They ran an aqueduct all the way from Hierapolis underground for six miles to the city. But here's the problem. By the time the water got from Hierapolis to Laodicea, it was no longer hot. It had become what? Lukewarm. Now, lukewarm, no therapeutic benefit. You can stay in lukewarm water. It's not going to do anything for you. Lukewarm, not very refreshing. When you're thirsty, you want something cold. And so what is Jesus saying when he says, I'd rather you be hot or cold? He's saying, I want you to be useful. I want you to be a difference maker. I want you to be a change agent. I want your life to be having a positive, powerful impact in the world for others. I want my life to be revealed in and through you so that people experience the positive benefits of my death. You are to be an agent of change. Your life on earth is supposed to make a difference. Your presence as a church is supposed to make a difference. Your membership in the church is supposed to make a difference. But here's a situation where you're in the body you're going to heaven, but you have become spiritually in a state that I can no longer work through you. You are not useful at all to me. And I don't like that. He says, in fact, just the thought of having a group of people living in a city that is lost and I cannot work through them? It's nauseating to me. You are supposed to be the light of the world. You're supposed to be the salt of the earth. You're supposed to be instruments by whom I will reveal myself, through whom I will work. But here you are, you are now in a condition which I call lukewarmness, where I am unable to work in you and through you. I cannot use you. I cannot make a difference through you. I cannot change the world through you. Nobody gets saved as a result of your life. Nobody repents as a result of your life. Nobody starts to hunger for God more as a result of your life. 
No one is being spiritually built up and, and strengthened as a result of your life. Nothing is happening through you. Yes, you're going to heaven. But while you're here, there's a reason I have you here. And it's because I want to be revealed in you and through you. And, and change the world through you. So now, let me ask the question. Are you hot, cold, or lukewarm? So change now and ask yourself, am I an instrument and a channel that God is able to use and is using more and more as a change agent, a difference maker? Is Christ able to work through me? Is he working through me to impact the lives of others? Are people being saved? Are people repenting? Are people being drawn to Christ? Are people being built up through my life? Or I'm just a Christian going to heaven. That's the heart of this matter. This is what concerns Jesus and it should concern you and me. You and I should not be content to simply be saved. That kind of contentment would lead to lukewarmness. So let's, let, let me take it one step further. Now that we understand what it means to be lukewarm and what Jesus is really concerned about, what causes you to become lukewarm? How do you get to this state where you just, you're saved, but Christ is not able to work through you and, you, and you're content to be that way. How, how does that happen? Well, you lose your zeal because that's what he says in verse 19. He says, uh, uh, be zealous and repent. One of the things, you, you, you lose your zeal. But how do you get to the point where you lose your zeal for the things of God? You lose your zeal for spiritual growth. You, you, you lose your zeal for spiritual knowledge, growing your knowledge of Christ. You lose your zeal uh, for being useful to him. How do you get to the point where you lose your zeal? All right? Go back, please, to um, verse 17. And here is what Jesus gives as an answer. Everybody, let's read it together. Because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing. Oh, my goodness. How do we become lukewarm we become lukewarm the minute we decide I don't need anything I've arrived <laughs> the minute you feel you have arrived spiritually you have become lukewarm the minute you get to the point where you say I need nothing more spiritually you become lukewarm the minute you get to the place where you deceive yourself into thinking that because materially and physically you are doing so well, you can afford anything you need. You're at the place where, you know, you don't have to worry about paying the rent or the mortgage. You don't have to worry about buying, having a car that you can use. Those things no longer worry you because by the grace of God, but you think by your hard work, you have gotten to this place where those things are, are, are being taken care of. You get to the place where you're so satisfied 
with how your life is going that you think you have arrived, not only physically, but spiritually. I don't need anything else because look, I got everything I need. I got a house, I got a car, I got nice clothes, I got food, I got money for vacation. I got some savings. I don't need anything else. He says, the minute you get there, you become lukewarm. Because that will cause you to lose your zeal for Christ and for the things of the Spirit. And what Jesus is saying here, he says, you say you have nothing, but the truth is, now remember, I'm the amen, right? I'm the teller like it is. I'm the one who says it and it's so. Let me tell you what the truth is. You are what? Wretched, miserable, poor, blind. Yeah, you mean, you mean, you mean I can be living so well. Life can be going so well. Everything can be falling into place from a natural standpoint. And spiritually, that's my condition. Oh, yes. You mean I can be a child of God, saved, righteous, holy in God's sight, going to heaven when I die and be wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked in Jesus' sight? Yeah. Because here you, here you, here's what you need to understand. There's a difference between your standing and your state. Spiritually, your standing in Christ is always that of righteous. Holy, blameless, blessed with all spiritual blessings. That's your standing. As a child of God, that's your standing. That's who you really are. But your state or your condition here on earth is determined by the condition of your mind, your thoughts, and your attitudes. And if your mind, your thoughts, and your attitudes do not align with who you are in Christ. If you are not pursuing the life of one who, who, who has the standing before God, your experience will be that of one who is wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and, 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 and naked spiritually. You're not going to hell because you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. You're just not enjoying or experiencing are walking in the riches of Christ on earth. Hear me, the true riches are not natural. True riches are not material. True riches are not popularity and fame. God blesses us with those things and when he does, okay, enjoy them, give him all the glory. But don't mistake the material things for true riches. Don't mistake your physical needs as being the most important needs you have. Don't make the mistake of thinking your body is the most important part of your being. No, the most important part of your being, of who you are, is your spirit. And the prosperity of your spirit is what's most important. So never make the mistake that these Laodiceans made of placing the prosperity of their body over and above the prosperity of their spirit and because they are doing so well physically, they decided or, or deceived themselves into thinking, I've also arrived spiritually. I don't have to do anything spiritually because everything is working for me physically. 
Remember Jesus said of the sinner, the man whose barns, I mean, whose, whose farm prospered, and who said, I will break down the barns, and I'm going to, I'm going to say to myself, you know, soul, take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. He was doing very well physically, but the condition of his soul was that he was lost. Now, the believer can be doing very well physically, but the condition of his soul, it's not that he's lost, but he's it's wretched, miserable, poor. He's, he's, he's living as though he isn't saved. So what causes us to become lukewarm? One is whenever we get to the place where we feel that we have arrived. And because we feel we have arrived, we're no longer zealous in pursuing spiritual growth, pursuing the knowledge of Jesus, zealous in our desire to be more and more useful to him. Why? Because in our mind, I don't need all of that. I'm comfortable where I am. Don't ever allow yourself to become spiritually content. It's okay to be content physically. The Bible says we should learn whatever state we're in from a physical standpoint to learn how to be content and to give God thanks. That's fine. That's a mark of spirituality. But when it comes to the spirit and the soul and God's purpose for you, the worst thing you can do, child of God, is to become content. And she said, listen, I've heard all these wonderful sermons. I can preach them now myself. I've been going to church for years by now. You know, I, I, you know whether I go to church or don't go to church doesn't matter anymore. You know, because, hey, I, I know, you know, what am I going to hear, you know, that I don't know? Hmm? Oh, you know, I've been in ministry for I don't know how long. Hey, I don't need to do any ministry again. Listen, do not allow yourself to ever get to the point where you say, you know what? Hey, I'm okay. Just the way I am spiritually. No more effort. No more hungering. No more desiring to grow spiritually, to know Christ more, to be more useful to him in his kingdom. When you get there, you become lukewarm. And Jesus doesn't like lukewarm. And you should not like lukewarm. But there's something else in that passage that I believe also contributes to lukewarmness. He says, you do not know. Ah, that's another reason we become lukewarm, ignorance. Ignorance. Ignorance, amen? Ignorance of how much we do need to grow. Ignorance of how pitiful we are if we are not pursuing Christ, the knowledge of Christ, spiritual growth, usefulness to him. We are ignorant of how miserable and pitiful and poor we become when we're no longer zealous in pursuing the knowledge of Jesus and our usefulness to him. May God open my eyes and your eyes and give us a true knowledge of what we are apart from Christ 
and what we are only because of Christ. Okay? Now let me bring this to a conclusion. Let's, let's, let's not answer perhaps the most important question. How do I overcome lukewarmness? Because we're living in America, right? <laughs> right? And the American dream is real. And again, there's nothing evil about the American dream. You just need to make sure the American dream doesn't become what you live for at the expense of the heavenly dream of the dream Christ has for you. Just make sure you don't put your physical needs over and above your spiritual needs and the spiritual opportunities God has created for you. All right? So how do I overcome lukewarmness? How do I live in America and do not become lukewarm? How do I live in America and remain zealous for spiritual things? How do I live in America and remain zealous for spiritual growth? for usefulness in the kingdom. Go to the next verse, please. Verse 18. I counsel you to do what? Buy from who? Me. Gold. Refine the fire. In other words, true riches. I counsel you to come to who? Me and buy what? White garments that you may be clothed and so the shame of your nakedness may, be, may not be revealed. And I counsel you to come to me and buy from me what? I shall so that you may see. What is important in this is that Jesus is saying, come to me. Stop going to the world for riches. Stop going to the world for clothing. Stop wanting to look like the world. If you really, really want to be decked out, come to me. Amen? Come to me for wisdom so you can see. Stop getting your wisdom from the world. What I have is true riches, superior to what the world can give you. What I have is true spiritual clothing that will never wear out, greater than what the world can give you. What I have is wisdom, far more than the world can offer you, so that you will be able to see and you will be able to make decisions based upon true wisdom. Come to me. So here's how you overcome lukewarmness if you are lukewarm. Here's how you keep yourself from ever becoming lukewarm. This is what you do. You reassess your spiritual condition. Hmm? Be real with it all the time. Reassess it before you are saying, Oh, I got no need, I got no need, I got everything because I got no, no. Reassess that. Hmm? And then come, reach out to Jesus for help. 
assess your condition. Recognize your condition if Christ is not at the center of what you're doing. Reassess it. Define it. And then do what? Reach out to Jesus for true riches, for true wisdom, for true righteousness. That's the first thing you do. Go, let's go to the next verse. As many as I love are rebuke and chasten, therefore be zealous and what? Repent. I told you the last time, repenting is not feeling sorry, just feeling sorry. Repenting is changing the way you think to the degree that you change your behavior. Right? So if you know right now that you are lukewarm, that you are not zealous for spiritual growth, zealous for, for Christ and his body, zealous for, 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 for knowing Jesus and being useful to him, he says repent. In other words, change the way you are thinking. Change that attitude and recognize, acknowledge that lukewarmness is a sin. Acknowledge that what you need more than anything is to be on, 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 on fire, if I may use that word, for Christ. To be sold out to Jesus. Repent. Change your mind. Change your attitude towards spiritual things as you, as you compare them to natural things. Let those spiritual things always be far more important to you anything material or natural. Repent. Okay? And then lastly, let's go to the next verse. Behold, I stand at the door and what? If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and... So here's the third thing. After you reassess your spiritual condition and reach out to Jesus because what he has is true riches, true wisdom. After you repent and make the decision to change your attitude, your mind towards what's really important, then this is what he says. He says, I'm standing at the door knocking. What I want you to do now is to reopen your heart, the door, refocus your attention upon me. Listen, when you're knocking at the door, what are you trying to do? You're trying to get someone's attention. And when Jesus says, I'm knocking at the door, he's saying, hey guys, I'm trying to get your attention. I'm trying to get your attention. You're lukewarm. I'm trying to get your attention. You need to, you need to, you need to reassess your, your situation and you need to reach out to me. You, you need to, to repent of this lukewarmness and you need to refocus your mind and your attention upon me. Somehow in the midst of your life you have now shifted your attention away from me and you're paying a lot more attention on material and physical comforts, goals, ambitions, than you are upon me. You're no longer giving me the attention that I need, that you need. Hmm? 
how do I overcome lukewarmness? How do I never become lukewarm? Listen, don't let anything take your attention away from Jesus. Give me attention. Why? Because I got some things I want to say to you. Give me attention because I got some riches I want to just release into you. Give me your attention because, you know, I got some correction. Give me your attention because I got some things I want to do in you, through you. But you've got to give me your attention. Amen. I, I, know, I know you're reading your Bible. Uh, but, but I know when you're reading your Bible, you're doing it while you're checking your email and you're texting. C can I have your attention? Huh? I, I know you're, you're praising, but while you're praising, you're planning your day. <laughs> can I get your attention? Because if I can get your attention then we can really fellowship. If I can get your attention, then we can really become intimate. If I can get your attention, then I can show you some things, and I can do some things with your life. If I can get your attention, then I can start working through you once again in making you a change agent and a difference maker. But I got to get your attention. So would you please open the door? I know you know I'm near, but would you give me your attention? Bishop, how do, you, how, how, how do I give him my attention? How do I open the door? How do I open the door? Well, that's where the spiritual disciplines come in. I said, in, and I posted something in Facebook recently, I said, listen, the spiritual disciplines are not the way we make God happy with us. Amen? We, you know, we, you, works are not the way we make God happy. Our faith in Jesus is what makes us righteous in God's sight. But our spiritual disciplines are how we open ourselves up to find his happiness, his joy, his purpose, his enthusiasm, his zeal. Through the spiritual disciplines, we open our hearts and our minds to him so that we can experience all that he has in store for us. You've got to give your attention. And the way you give your attention is through the spiritual disciplines. What are they? Prayer. Both personal and corporate. And you've got to make your flesh do that because your flesh doesn't want to do it. But prayer. Personal corporate talking to him hmm? the word meditating in the word with Jesus fellowshipping like you're doing today gathering with the believers for fellowship that's a spiritual discipline that's important one of the ways by which we open our hearts and give Jesus attention is through the fellowship as we give attention to one another. Because the scripture tells us in Ephesians chapter 4, he builds us up as each joint supplies. In other words, Christ in me is supplying something to you now. 
and Christ in you will supply some to somebody else. And so this fellowshipping piece is important. Spiritual discipline. Prayer, word, fellowship, ministry, allowing him to work through us to be of service to him, to bless his body and to bless others. That's a discipline. Are you hearing me? And as we present ourselves to him, praying with Jesus, meditating with Jesus, fellowshipping with Jesus in his body, and then working with Jesus and ministering with Jesus, what happens? Our zeal for the Lord intensifies, and we overcome lukewarmness, and we become, in his hand, change agents, difference makers in this world. And let me, let me end with the last verse because there's a wonderful promise that Jesus makes. Go to verse 21. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on the throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. To him who overcomes, what? Well, he's been talking about lukewarmness. And so I associate and connect this promise to lukewarmness. He who overcomes the pressures of this world to make you lukewarm. He who overcomes the love of this world. He who overcomes the things, the desire for riches and pleasures. He who overcomes these things that would make him lukewarm. He who overcomes lukewarmness. Jesus says, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. There is a special promise of dominion and authority being granted to the person in the kingdom who refuses to be lukewarm. You can be lukewarm, but you're not going to walk in authority. You can be lukewarm, but you're not going to experience kingdom dominion. But he who overcomes lukewarmness and pursues his relationship with Christ with all his might. He who makes spiritual growth and knowing Jesus and being useful to Jesus something that he focuses on and keeps his attention on, he will overcome lukewarmness and such a person will be rewarded with dominion and authority in Jesus' name. Amen. So I pray for you, I pray for me, individual, and I pray for our church. I pray against the spirit of lukewarmness. I pray, God, that our presence here in a prosperous land of opportunity will not become for us detrimental spiritually, but that we will be able to live in Laodicea. We'll be able to live in this great land where success is possible, where prosperity is possible, and yet, O oh Lord, will not lose our passion for spiritual growth, will not lose our passion to know you, and we will never lose our passion to be useful to you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I'm reminded of the Apostle Paul. These men said, we don't need anything. The Apostle Paul, who was given such revelation that none of us has, has even come close to, 
who God used in such mighty ways to even raise the dead, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament after all of these years of spiritual growth and, and usefulness to God, the Apostle Paul said, Brethren, I do not reckon myself to have arrived. I have not yet apprehended that by which I was apprehended by Christ. And this one thing I do, I continue to forget the things behind. I forget my accomplishments. I forget how God has used me. I forget how much I have come, how far I have come. I do not allow that which has happened to make me satisfied. I know there's so much more ahead of me than there is behind me. And I am reaching and I will continue to reach until that day. When I'm fully, totally, and completely conformed to his image, I would not stop hungering and being zealous Amen. for him. Amen. May this be true for you and for me. In Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Now, yeah, go ahead. Tap onto the Lord. I pray you take this word and do something with it. Don't just listen to it, clap for it, and say yes, and then don't act. There's some specific things you're supposed to do. You're supposed to reassess and reevaluate your spiritual condition in light of your position. What is your state? What is your condition? Are you, are you lukewarm or not? Are you zealous or not? then you need to repent if you find that you're not zealous. You're lukewarm when it comes to spiritual growth and your desire for Christ. Repent. Say, I'm sorry. Amen? And then do what? Refocus your attention. Open the door of your heart and let Christ once again become the center of your attention. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God.